Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Let's pray. Oh God, uh, we just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that word, uh, Father, that we uh, have this reason to rejoice. We have this reason to have joy. We have this imperishable gift from you. Lord, and I, and I hope it, it wells up in us, God. I hope it stirs us and moves us. And God, we just invite you in this morning, Lord, to be praised and honored and glorified. And, and I pray as we gather together as the assembly, Lord, as your church, that we're encouraged by one another, that the, the embers are fanned into flame. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. To worship, William Temple wrote this, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, and to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God, to worship. So today we're going to talk about worship, you know, and... Uh, you know, oftentimes, um, we think of that as, as the, the singing portion of our service and rightly so that is a time of worship in song and, you know, but, but we always say, you know, worship is a lifestyle. It's, it's something much bigger than that. And that sounds nice and preaches well and is churchy, but is it true for you? Is worship a lifestyle? Is it something that you embrace Daily, and so we're, we're we've been going through our spiritual disciplines today as worship, and it's something that even though there's an individual side to it, it really culminates in a corporate uh, thing into the gathering, the worship time together. And I, you know, I think God designed it that way. I know God designed it that way. Um, John four twenty three says, "But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth." For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Spirit, uh, you know, spirit has to touch spirit. Like it's, it's not going to happen uh, in a human way. And part, so that's part of the gathering. Like we gather together, and hopefully you, have, hopefully the spirit is in you and welling up in you, and it's welling up in this person. And and like when it comes together, spirit has to touch spirit in order for worship. To happen, you just think about like even approaching God. You know, we talk, I talk about this often, like just the fact that we can approach God because of what Jesus did, how he um, tore the, the curtains uh, with his death, and like 
that we are able to enter the most holy place. I mean, that's, that's deep. Like that we get to enter the most holy place. And so singing and praying and praising, these are all techniques, but they're not worship in and of themselves. They lead us into worship. And so whom should we worship? You know, the Bible uh, sets it very clear from the beginning in the Ten Commandments, but then Jesus says in Matthew 10, be gone. And, you know, Satan's trying to tempt him. He says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And so we worship God. We worship God for who he is and we worship God for what he has done. You know, when we read through the scriptures and like there's like some extravagant descriptions of God and just how how he uh, has done just amazing things and then descriptive uh, uh, verses of him and some of them are just so like, wow, you know, like I don't even know how to process that. Uh, they're, they're big and they're, they're vivid and um, it, it is going to be just absolutely uh, an awe-filled moment when we stand in his presence, you know. And, and so we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But, um, you know, when we, when we come together to worship, there, there's, a, there's a side effect. You know, we, obviously it exposes our humanity. It exposes our sinfulness. And, and so there's this call to, to reverence because of what God has done for us. So even though there's that side of it, like it, it, it calls us to a place, I hope, of humility. You know, I hope of surrender. And I hope of just glorifying God and praising God for what he's done because he's saved us. He has allowed us to be redeemed and reconciled uh, to him. Paul, Paul is writing in Romans and he's talking about the salvation of Israel and the Gentiles. And, and he goes, you know, through all these chapters and then it kind of comes to a, a head in Romans. And, you know, it, it, it says, therefore, worship in verse one, you know. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Because all of this other stuff I wrote is true, worship. You know, we, we have got to worship. Um, we have Mark 12, verse 30 in, in, our, in our little um, definition of a disciple. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And with all your strength. Service and obedience flow out of worship. You know, I, I uh, have been in services where just like, think, man, it was just, I was just being stirred up, you know. And like when I, when I left there, I, there was a response. It's why we have an invitation at the end. It's why we say, Hey, there's, there's, always, there's always an invitation because as God moves, but there is something special that happens, in my opinion, when we are gathered together. No question about it. I mean, you just think about it for a second. When, when, we, when this is all over, right? God could do anything he wants. He could cater Moe's. He could, you know, rent out Disneyland. Um, he could do anything he wants. And what are we going to do? We're going to worship. We're going to worship. Because there's something special that happens when the people of God come together in one spirit and we worship. 
One of the biggest mistakes we can make is we run around doing the service part and we forget the worship part. We can never forsake our first love. So all, all the doing, you know, again, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines because spiritual disciplines are a vehicle to deepen your relationship with Jesus, the first love, right? And, and so Jesus is like glorify the Father. And so like all of this just fits together. And we can't go do the, well, I guess we can. You can go do the doing without the worshiping, without the relationship, but it's going to be in vain. It's going to be powerless, and, and no one wants to operate that way. We want to be filled up and welled up with the, the life-giving power from God. And so we, we do not need to forsake our first love. We need worship. This is all about intimacy. Who has your heart? Who has your heart? Uh, uh, my, my friend Michael said a quote this week. Um, How do your habits re- reveal God or reflect God? I can't remember how it went. But either way, both words fit. How do your habits, like you just think about that when you leave here, the things you just do in your life, how are they revealing God in your everyday? How are they reflecting God? Let's use both words. I like them both. How are they revealing and reflecting God in your everyday life? If God doesn't have your heart, he wants it back. All right? The Bible says he's a jealous God. He wants it back, and he fought for it. You know, he sent his son, uh, who did amazing things, to be able to regain your heart and be reconciled. And and it's also about an expectancy. Like, come to church expecting to experience God. And look, sometimes I fight against emotions. I'm not an emotional person very often, but I do know this. The closer I get to God, the more emotional I become. And, and I sometimes respond, we don't need to respond out of emotion. We need to, like, yeah, the, like there's, there's a little truth here and there and all that. But, like, the fact of the matter is we are emotional beings. And when the Spirit's welling up in us, it causes emotion, right? It causes us, to, like, there's feeling there that the hairs on my arms stand up. There's something stirring inside of me. And I, and I hope that you have an expectancy from God and that you're experiencing God. And I hope that you're experiencing God when we come together. You know, one of the themes of our, our year, and probably will go down as the theme, is do your part. You know, do your part. And, and we're going to talk about that. I, I got a, a, like a little special thing here I want to do. And then we're going to talk about do your part and what that looks like. So I, I'm going to read these two scriptures. I don't want you to look them up. Um, this is being recorded. You can go back and look them up later. I just want you to close your eyes or raise your hand or whatever you want to do, but we're about to read two uh, powerful scriptures about who God is. Okay? So whatever you need to do to lock into that, like I want you to do that. Okay? So if you need to close your eyes, great. If it, Whatever. There's freedom in the spirit. Okay? So here we go, Isaiah 6, 1 through 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. 
and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sins are atoned for. Revelation 1, 12 through 20. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are, are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Mm. Man, as those images begin to fly across your brain and your heart and your soul, I hope it just wells something up in you. That he is worthy of your praise. He is worthy of a life of praise, not just a moment on a Sunday morning. So throughout our week, we need to be very attentive to what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is saying in, in all the little details. You know, one of the things like I've, I've learned in, through, the, through the spiritual discipline time I've been putting into practice and stuff is, is to listen to the birds. I know that, that, I don't know if that's weird to you or not, but I, I've never just stopped and paid attention to the birds song in the morning. And now I listen to it, and it's amazing to me how God gave each bird a different song. But yet, somehow, they all collectively go together. And it's beautiful. Every morning, I hear it. And I don't think I just stopped and noticed that before. And so I've been trying to like notice in the little things how God's design and, and, uh, of, of things. And so, you know, when we, when we gather for worship and just inviting the, the Spirit in, like... Look around. Man, somebody's probably in the assembly that day that needs you. That needs you to come and put an arm around them and pray for them. That needs you to just encourage them. We've all not felt like coming to worship. Let's just be real and honest. Maybe you don't feel like that today. Maybe you're just here because we opened the doors and you know what? I'm going to church. Sometimes we don't feel it. And then we need to pray for one another. You know, we need to pray for the, the folks up here that are doing things, that are serving. We need to pray for them, man. We're all instruments for the Lord at different times, but when we're gathered in the assembly, you know, the people that are kind of leading us through the, the worship time, 
Like they need prayed for. And so be in prayer for them. And there, there's just something powerful, again, that can happen when we're all together. It's why the writer of Hebrews says not to forsake the assembly. I believe that. Because there's just something powerful when we all come together and we're one body and we're one focus. My, up where my folks live, um, they have this, this, uh, this gathering time called uh, koinonia. And, and it's really the, uh, I believe it's a Hebrew word, for the deep inward fellowship in the power of the Spirit. It's, it's the term used for the assembly. Koinonia. You know, and so we're supposed to be here together, not just together, but in spirit together. We're supposed to be worshiping in spirit and in truth. You know, you think about Jesus as our leader because he is our leader and he alone calls us forth. No one asked me to be a preacher or a minister of the gospel. Jesus told me, you know, Jesus calls us forth. And so we have to we have to respond and we have to obey and we have to use our gifts in the assembly. And so, you know, we think about the temple and it had the outer courts and the inner courts and and, and people were ushered through them, right? And at, at each level, it, it got a little more intense and then we got into the Holy of Holies. And man, when the curtain tore, we were invited into the Holy of Holies. I hope that sends chills up and down your spine. You're allowed into the presence of God, even as the wretch that we are. You know, it's amazing. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise of God to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So, uh, just to, I, I want to give you a couple of practical things today just to think about and, uh, and, and work through as you, as you develop your spiritual discipline of worship. Now, again, there's things we do individually on this one, but they, they culminate in coming together in the assembly and worshiping together. One, that it's daily, that it, it, there's just a daily worshiping going on. And it's interesting, you know, we talked about uh, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. I believe it's just pray continually. And, you know, it's interesting because, like, I, again, I know when I read that for the first time, and maybe you're there, like, it seemed impossible. But I think the more you're attentive to the little things, and then, like, there's this, there's this voice going on that where your conversation with God that begins to never cease. It just increases. So you... you and, and or maybe you you got it right for a few hours and then you're off for a few hours or for a few days. That's I mean that's what's amazing. Okay, just start again, you know. Um, and you don't have to wait till Monday morning like we do for everything. Like you just start right then, you know. And when you when you recognize that you're not doing it, um, different experiences. Try like worshiping in different places. And you know, again, if that comes out just as a song, great. Worship in your car, worship in your small group, worship, I don't know, go to some worship events. Um, there's, there's some different experiences you can have. Um, begin to prepare for the gathering. I don't know if you do this or not. Uh, I would imagine, because I've experienced not doing this, that lots of people have experienced not doing this or are currently not doing this. But do you prepare for this moment? Are you preparing for this moment? 
And really, really, again, it should be an all-week thing. You know, I hope God's just pouring into you so when the awkward preacher says, hey, what's God doing? That you don't have to listen to me that day because the room is filled up with what God is doing, you know? And so are you preparing? Are you, are you praising? Are you scripture reading? Um, are you uh, praying for the the entire assembly? Are we really preparing? Can we come in here and let go of our agenda? You know, it's it's easy to have one. It's easy to want the things I want and and embrace the the we, embrace the body of Christ, and and really want others edified. You know, really want others honored above myself as we bring praise to God. So letting go of my agenda and be well willing to be gathered together with God's people. Developing our desire for holy dependency. That's that's kind of a weird one uh, to think about, but like, because uh, there's not like a tremendous amount, in, in my opinion, just like, hey, here's a step you can take. But like, I think it's more of a recognizing thing. <clears throat> like, hey, I, 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 I am dependent on God. I heard Francis Chan say one time, because the Bible says it, like even the, even my breath, like that breath right there. God could put a stop to that at any moment. I am absolutely dependent on him to even take a breath, to draw a breath. And so recognizing our, our dependence on him, our holy dependence. Conquering distractions. Who has not ever been distracted in, in the worship service? I mean, hello, everybody is. And, and one of the ways you can conquer that is to uh, immediately turn it into a thing of gratitude, right? Um, so let's just give an example. I'll give an example from my own life. So we're sitting in the worship service and my kid opens up a loud bag of uh, goldfish that someone gave him, uh, Mr. Dwayne. And, you know, and he spills them all over. And like instantly... I know I'm not the only one distracted. I know other people are distracted. Or I've been in the back and I've put the wrong words up on the screen, right? And I've distracted people. And so as you, the distract E or E. Anyway, distract the person who's distracted, uh, you know, instantly flipping that to a uh, man. Hey, there, man, the sound per person back there is doing their best. And I'm so thankful we have a screen, you know, that, that, uh, that I can have my hands free and, and can lift them and praise. Man, I, I'm so glad. Uh, I'm so thankful for little little kids in our church. You know, even though, you know, there's this mess of goldfish and his parents are like red-faced. Like, I'm so thankful for kids in our church. Like, so taking distractions and turn them into a gratitude, gratitude. And don't forget that worship is sacrifice. It is. It is sacrifice. And so we're going to end with that feeling like, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like filling the blank. I'm telling you that's a mistake. And I'm not saying that so we can fill up the pews so I can pat myself on the back. I don't care. All right? If, if, if there's, I do care from the standpoint of like, I want everybody in the world to come to Jesus, but if you don't like the way my hair looks, go to the church down the road. Just be a part of the assembly. It's important. And it's there's there's so many things about it, but but one of the main ones is worshiping together. 
to fan into flame. Right? I was uh, with John Bailey this, this last week and we tried to have a campfire. Uh, it semi-ended in disaster. Not really. We didn't burn anything down. Um, but uh, I was thinking about a campfire in, in relation to this. And like, you know, you have a log there and you try to set one log on fire. We actually had three logs, but we didn't have any kindling. And so we had propane torches and we were blasting those pieces of wood. Oh my goodness. And they'd light for a little while and then they'd go out. Because it never really got hot enough. You know? And I think about that. Like somebody comes in and they're pumped up and they're filled up with God. And a lot of times the embers, the flame goes out. Because we're not fanning into flame. And so that's the image I want you to keep. Hey, I'm, I'm coming into the assembly and I'm going to help fan into flame. Maybe, maybe it's not your day. But if we have 55 people in here and it's 50 people's not their day, you know, we're struggling. And I would just beg the question, are you doing your part through the week to like engage in worship and to prepare yourself for the assembly? To prepare yourself for the assembly. Expect God to do his part because he will. And then out of worship, the increase of just holy obedience holy living. We've been welled up and we, we don't want to go out in sin. We don't want to go out and live against God. We want to go out and live for God. Okay? So there is the emotional excitement experience side of it, but it results in a change, a transformation in who we are and how we live. Willard Sperry uh, wrote this, and he ends with Colossians 3.16, so that'll be included in the quote. He says, Worship is a deliberate and disciplined adventure in reality. It's not for the timid or comfortable. It involves an opening of ourselves to the adventurous life of the Spirit. It makes all the religious paraphernalia of temples and priests and rites and ceremonies irrelevant. It involves a willingness to... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Colossians 3, 16. Let's pray. God, we pray, Lord, as we come to you that you are worshiped, that we are doing our part, that we are lifting you up, that we are praising your name, that we are day in and day out living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. This is our spiritual act of worship. And God, I, I pray as we're doing that, that we're preparing to be together on Sunday mornings. That we're coming into this place ready to worship, ready to fan into flame, my brothers and sisters. Ready to, to just experience you with the whole body of believers. Thank you for that. Thank you for how you designed that. God, we're going we're gonna to sing a song right here. We're going to close this thing out today. And I pray that people are just moved. I pray that they're stirred up. I pray that they feel you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.